Welcome to Uncork, another podcast brought to you by Team Corker. I am so excited to have a very favorite friend of the Corkers here with us today, Mark Groves. Welcome to I the love cast. the Corkers. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Uncorked. Uncorked, Mark Groves. Mark is usually on the other side. We love your podcast. You're usually on the other side of the mic. And it's always tricky interviewing people that are notorious for being the question askers because now <laughs> I have to turn the table and you're not allowed to ask me questions. It's all about you, buddy. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's true. It is a little more uh, vulnerable when I don't get to displace the conversation onto you. Yes. So we will just place it properly on you. What I want our friends to know, and you and I actually just came to this realization or moment of remembering recently that we met when Matt Corker and yourself were rocking a conference together. You're both on stage talking about wonderful things you talk about. And we joked and said, it was right around the time you launched an Instagram account. That's true. Yeah. And what's crazy to me about that is we are now in an era, we are in a time when we can remember when things started. It, like Instagram hasn't been around for our entire lives. And in so many respects, I'm sure Instagram has like completely changed the way in which you do business. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And what I love, I wanted, I wanted to refer to you as the recovering pharmaceutical sales rep. <laughs> gone blowjob expert. Is that true? I mean, receiving blowjob expert. I'm not an expert <laughs> at giving them. But yes, absolutely. I mean, I spent a 14 years as a rep, which is crazy because I really grew up as a pharmaceutical rep in my 20s and early 30s as my view of the world changed. And, you know, you're, you're very much a product of your conditioning till you're not. And when I woke up in a relationship and asked, how did I get here? That led to me asking, how did I get here in everything? You know, you start to see, is this my story or is this a story I was taught to want? And you could still want what you were taught to want. So that's a fine line too. But I also, you know, like I did an undergrad in finance. I hated finance. Why the hell would we do an undergrad in something we don't like? And it shows you that we do a lot of things we don't like because we think we're supposed to. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it, it served me to be a pharmaceutical rep till... It didn't till it wasn't in alignment. And I think what's different from my parents' generation and generations before that is we shift careers so much more now. We, you can change and you can decide that you don't like something anymore. Back in the day, you didn't get to do that. You were a prisoner to uh, your union, to your factory job, to your marriage, to being uh, the caretaker at home. You know, yeah. very much the roles weren't, and it's still a privilege to be able to choose. So I, I recognize that too. Amazing. Oh, I love it. But all seriousness, whether you're a giver or a receiver, you now devote your days and your purpose and your work in this world is, is more than blowjobs. Tell us what you are <laughs> yeah. doing. What do I do? I teach people about human connection and, you know, it started with, learning how to do it from a sales perspective as a rap 
how to change behavior, but ultimately how to manipulate behavior, really, right? That's, I mean, sales is ultimately behavior manipulation, and it can come from a sincere intention and a beautiful thing to get someone from something that isn't serving them to something that better serves them. And so in understanding human behavior and being good at changing it, I was a successful rep, I wondered to myself when my relationship ended, why am I so good at talking about everything but how I feel? And that's not a skill set issue. There's something more going on. And that led me to really want to uncover like what gets in the way of vulnerability. What, and you start to see all these layers of the unconscious. That really is what marketing appeals to is our humanistic evolutionary drives. And it starts to beg greater questions, which is, am I the product of my conditioning? Am I going to react to this conversation, this experience, whether it's at work or at home? Am I going to choose to continue to stay in this cycle of reaction and what my nervous system demands of me? Or am I going to take a moment and get to know about my biology and my conditioning? And then am I going to intentionally, from a space of concertedly decide what type of life I want to build and who I want to be? And that was just different. I, I spent so much of my youth reacting to the world. Um, and then I teach people now how to stop and to actually ask some questions and to say like you know your relationship patterns that show up in your life romantic relationships are just a magnifying glass to what you're not good at because when you face rejection and abandonment it brings out often quote unquote the worst in us and so that can show up in work but we usually have a lot more emotional resilience in work because we know that the consequence of yelling at your boss or being reactive on your team is likely going to be some sort of, you know, probation or, you know. But there's something about, and, and there's many layers to this, of course, there's something about the nature of commitment within a relationship that says we can't go. You're now, you said, till death do us part. So you're going to have to suffer through this. You're going to get the worst of me. And, and what, a, what a perspective to have, that, that a relationship is a prison, but it isn't. And I, I've really started to ask these questions like, what death do we mean when we say till death do us part? Is it the death, is it a mortal death or is it actually the death of the part of us that agreed to that thing at a time when we knew less than we know today? And, and relationships of today demand the fluidity and the nature of growth and expansion. And mm -hmm. who wants to be who they were when they were 19? You know, not if you're 19 and listening to this, I'm sure you kick ass. <laughs> but I look back and I go like, 19 year old me, I'm sure my... Well, actually, I started to interview ex-girlfriends on my podcast, and it's interesting to say, like, what is it like for you to experience me today or see me today versus what you experienced of me? And of course, thank God I'm different. Right. You know, that same compassion to allow our own desires, beliefs, feelings to shift is what allows us to accept that in someone else. Yeah. Uh, it's so juicy. I... I was reading a post that you put up by the time this goes live, it'll be so far gone. Everybody should call them <laughs> lost on the gram. But there of course is so much in our wounded inner child that shows up in how we are in relationships or in the world today. And I don't ever want to compartmentalize work and life. And I love that your, you know, your perspective around we can show up at work one way because for whatever reason, if you're not a part of a union, you still feel like you have choice 
choice to leave, choice to interview. You know, it's so funny. So many people are in jobs and they have no problem interviewing for another job. It's like, I'm going to be in a relationship. I have no problem dating other people. We don't, in a relationship that's called cheating, that's terrible. We label that as wrong. But if you're interviewing, that's just taking care of yourself. And that's, you know, seeing what your options are and negotiating mm-hmm. a better deal, um, which I think is a very interesting dichotomy. Yeah, that is a really interesting dichotomy. And really, that's just man, uh, human made. We've put these labels and constructs into place. Yet there is something around worthiness that I want, I would love you to riff on. And how do we how do we declare what we really want from a place of worthiness in all relationships in our life? And where do those differ when it comes to work or love from your experience? Because you've seen it firsthand. Oh, wow. What a juicy consortium you just built there. Uh, First, that difference between work and home. I think that's very fascinating to think about the constructs of, and you and I were talking before we hit record about, the, the constructs of morality and projected morality. What is mine? What is yours? What is my Christian upbringing? What do I like from my Christian upbringing versus what do I not? It's such a beautiful thing to be able to explore. The thing that happens when we're in relationship and we start to explore that, or we're single, and but we were raised with these ideals, which you know, you can love however you want to love and you can find any tribe to support how you want to love. You know, it's, we say that historically we were all polyamorous. No, we weren't. We are all so different. We're human. We, we have different desires. Culture shapes what we want. Religion shapes what we want. Fear shapes what we want. So what a beautiful inquiry to have, though. And in relationship, can we have that conversation without it meaning the death of our relationship, without it meaning you don't love me anymore because you find the barista attractive, you know, like that's human. And I think we like to deny the things that can threaten our relationship instead of turning towards them and saying, is that a threat and what can we do about it? And what a beautiful opportunity for us to be more intimate. Now, the where I guess that compounds on the question about worthiness is that really we were evolutionarily shaped to place our worthiness in someone else's approval of us. That's what shapes evolution. That's what makes us need to fit in. And that's why emotional pain and rejection actually shows up in the brain in the same places that physical pain shows up. So to be lonely, to feel rejected, to feel isolated is actually incredibly painful. And that causes us to adjust our behavior so that we fit in, so that we don't experience rejection. The this evolutionary theory to that is that it will force us to go towards other people so that we are more likely to survive. Mm-hmm. Now, the cost of that is that we will often abandon and forgo parts of ourselves to maintain connection. So that's where we sort of wake up within the story and go, is this our story? Am I who I actually am? And I really think that's the birthplace of of what, you know, like a philosopher might call awakening, that it's this opportunity to just enter the area of metacognition, to think about how you think, but not be what you think, not have your identity be so associated to a belief, to allow your identity to be fluid. And in that space of why is it so terrifying to declare what I want? Well, you might not approve of what I want. And if you don't approve of what I want, then what I want is not valid. 
That's why entrepreneurship is the ultimate form of personal growth. You will, you leap and you put your vulnerabilities and your desires and your dreams into the world to be captured or not, to be supported or not. And that is scary as shit. I remember when I first wanted to start writing, I wanted to write under a, under a ghost name. And I didn't because I knew that that would be me half-assing it. You know, and I think the other side of it too is that we often think that when we start a job, a company, a, a business, much like when we start a relationship, we think it has to look a certain way. Like I'm successful if, you know, I made it to step five and I have the storefront that looks like this and this annual volume, or my relationship looks like this and I have kids now and whatever. But what we don't see is that it's going to change. What you want is going to change. That's what being a human is, is discovering, making mistakes, figuring out that, hey, you know, sometimes the dream we had is not the dream we have. Mm. And what a beautiful thing to surrender to, to allow to flow through you. But we get so stuck holding on to things that we don't allow life to flow through us. Mm. We're so busy wishing the story looks a certain way that we don't see that there is literally a story trying to move through us. And I say that uh, to other people as I remind myself, you know, constantly. Yeah. Because uh, it's so human to want certainty. Totally. I think the cousin of certainty is control. And I was just telling a friend this morning on a run that I have, I have sectioned my life you know, I started a company, the Corker Co. And then I had quarterly reviews with Matt Corker. And I thought that everything in my life was dependent on a quarter end. Mm. And I was like, wait, why? There isn't a board of directors. No one else cares. (laughs) And there's more than 12 weeks to worry about. There can be 12 minutes. Just these 12 minutes is a beautiful thing. It doesn't need the certainty and the control of a 12 week period of time doesn't need to mean anything. Such yeah. a beautiful reminder that it's, uh, I think it's Ram Dass who has a book called mm. Be Here Now, that it is, you know, we're so outcome driven that we forget that the victory is not in the outcome, it's in the process. It's, Absolutely. it's who we become. You know, I think it's totally. in AA that they have this saying that it's, it's about progress, not perfection. Mm. Beautiful. Right, like this beautiful yeah. gift that we have to always be becoming, but to always accept who we are now. Now. And to not shame the parts of us that make mistakes today, because those are the very parts of us that teach us how to not repeat patterns. Sure, yeah. Well, I don't, I mean, you've become an entrepreneur, a very successful, we're so proud that you call Vancouver home entrepreneur, and you'll never have the chance to become an entrepreneur for the first time ever again. Everything else you do, that. you know, you've done it once. So you only have one chance to go from being, I'm no longer Mark Groves, the pharmaceutical rep, to now I am Mark Groves creating the love. And I realize this is a throwback for you and an old conversation, but it does feel relevant now, especially to people that may be listening to this podcast wondering, what's it like to completely change careers? And it might not be into entrepreneur life, but I recall you speaking about how you felt like your identity was like, I'm Mark Groves, the pharmaceutical rep. And how can you be Mark Groves? And yeah. what was that transition? And like, are there tips? What did it feel like? And was there a moment that the sun came out and you could release your professional title? I remember uh, 
quitting being a rep, I had started the other work at the same time. And I remember being at a workshop from uh, Lisa Nichols and someone asked, uh, do I quit my job and start my daydream? You know? And she said, allow your job to be the investor in your dream. Mm-hmm. And so that allowed me to stay in the work that wasn't necessarily fulfilling, but I made a contract within my own self that I would leave by a certain time. And I knew that if I stayed beyond that, it would be complete self-abandonment and I'd probably start to get sick. There was just a point where there needed to be a leap. And when I left, I remember sitting on my patio in Calgary at my house. And I remember realizing that I could no longer introduce myself as a rep. And, and what my identity was so tied to that, that assumption that a pharmaceutical rep, I mean, it's not like that movie where he's like having group sex and driving a Porsche, let me just tell you ahead of time. But it is this idea that, you know, uh, I, I wish to be perceived as having a relatively stable job, having flexibility, being charismatic, being charming, being handsome, like all these pieces that were so tied to when I introduced myself as something, I got the social status of that something or, or the perceived identity of that something. And when I started to have to own, like I didn't want to use the word love in the name of my business because I knew people were so resistant to business and the word love. But I thought, well, fuck, that's the whole point. That's the, like the whole point is about challenging the fear of that. So I really did, I'm sure as you and yourself and Matt can attest to, so much healing occurs in the vulnerability that's required to put yourself out there, which is like, who is Mark? And the the message that I started with is different than the message that is now, which is much like, you know, some something that you write in 1992, hopefully is going to be very different than what you write today. And we live in a bit of a world right now where there's cancel culture and, and we go dig into the histories of your archives and decide that who you were in 2007 is totally unacceptable in 2019 and 2020. I should get up to date. But the whole point being that I think when we have a hard time accepting the transitions of someone else and who they were, it's because we haven't held space for who we are. We probably have some mm-hmm. skeletons in our own closet. We're canceling our own culture. And I think in that experience of, of identity shifting and being compassionate to former versions of myself, I mean, today I would be so judgmental if I didn't have space for it of my own pharmaceutical rep life, you know, and, yeah. and what integrity was. I mean, former versions of me had much different integrity if if not not very much hmm. you know so to be able to love that part of me that was doing the best he could who found worth in having a good job and being charming and you know getting affirmation through the love of, of women you know to now be like oh wow thank you for teaching me all those things hmm. amazing amazing it's probably really long it's question. a beautiful thing it's so relevant and it's so important and one of the things i'd love to do in 2020 is renovate the resume because for exactly the reason you just said that who we were in 2007 doesn't need to matter and it can it can be a perfect part of the puzzle yet if we get too caught up in it what's the point and then we just create this two page document that says here i am now judge me and pick apart all these things that I've declared 
you know, will make me who I am. And, and look at you. How long have you been rocking the love for now? Six years? Seven years? Yeah. So I started, I went back to school and did positive psychology about seven and a bit years ago. I started my Instagram just over six years ago. And it just... Six years ago. And look crazy. at what you're doing. It's crazy. It's amazing. Thank you, Instagram. Yeah. Like, thank you. What a beautiful time to be born. I, yes. I really think that there is no other time as Gary Vee talks about, of course, mm -hmm. religiously is like, you don't get to have an excuse for why you can't produce something, be launch a business. And Seth Godin, I know you, you're close with, he talks about how you only need a hundred people, Yeah, hundred people. You can learn how to be good at anything. Yeah. And I personally believe that if you've walked through something in your own journey, you've become an expert at how to do exactly that. Mm. And, and your credibility is lived through who you are and, who you've, and how you've navigated life. You don't necessarily need a bunch of letters behind your name. Heck yeah, totally. And the death of the resume. I agree because death the, the resume, resume says you are your story. Yeah. Mm. Right you are not story. your story. Imagine if you yeah. just let go of your story. And oh, my God. Although, oh, you don't get to be this. Oh, there's so many people already doing that. Oh, you need to do this. Oh, all that shit is just people who never pursued their dreams trying to make it so you don't pursue yours. And I know okay. it comes from the desire to protect us from rejection. But if we start, if we make it so that you accepting me is what makes me accept me, then I'll never do anything. I'll never take yeah. the first leap. I'll never have the vulnerable conversation. My worth will always live in whether you accept me or not. Yeah. Fuck that. That is, yeah. yeah. Well, it takes a lot of guts to get that muscle and to have the confidence to be able to say that. And I think I know that you believe that to be true and you live that to be true. And not everyone is there yet. And that's the journey and the process. And if everyone can channel Mark Groves, <laughs> Stick your tongue out and say, F that. And it's, that's the work. Absolutely. You don't get the courage without cultivating it. You know, it's, Absolutely. you don't believe you can until you start. Start. Yeah. That's it. I mean, you talk about it. Everybody has 20 seconds, 10 seconds. 10 seconds of courage. 10 that's seconds. all it takes. <laughs> 10 seconds. 10 seconds. Okay, I need to just tell you about letters behind a name and then we're going to go into some rapid fire. But yeah. you just mentioned letters behind a name and it spurred me to recall when I was in second year university in science thinking I was going to fail organic chemistry, instead of studying for a biology exam, I started churning out ice cream at UWO in Ontario. And I created an ice cream company that summer and it was called Dr. Ice Cream, BSC, PhD like a bachelor of science and a PhD. Maybe I just assumed that it didn't need a master's degree. And <laughs> it stood that. for by Steph Corker, phenomenal homemade dairy. And if I look back, why? I mean, I've just been destined to be an entrepreneur since I was churning yeah. out ice cream with peaches. And that's dishes. like, that's like uh, I love that that has a bit of like you know, rebellion in it. <laughs> But does it? It I does. We're so much more than the letters behind our name because the ice cream never went anywhere. But it was like the the fire, you know. I I got to learn how to make Ben and Jerry's mint chip ice cream in my kitchen so all summer cool. long. So and it cool. did go somewhere. It, it's here. Oh, to tell a story to someone, you know. It's like we are so the combination of all the pages in our book. And Amen. 
and like every single experience we've had in our lives contributes yeah. to who we are. And if we still have pain about something from our past, it, it's only because we haven't integrated the wisdom from it. Once yeah. you do that, then you give pain purpose. Once you give pain purpose, it's no longer painful. It's gratitude. It becomes grace. Yeah. Amen. Uh, okay. We still <laughs> got to wrap, but I need to know a few things. Let's do it. No explanation. Only the one word that comes to mind. The, <laughs> I know, Mark. I believe in you. The book that you're currently reading. Taking Sexy Back. The one Instagram account you follow like with the biggest heart. I mean, maybe better said, the one Instagram account you find inspo from. Cabin porn. Hot. Pressure is? Hot. Pressure is hot. Yeah. Success is? Overrated. Oh. I am? Happy. Beautiful. The last question we always ask is, what is currently making your heart beat faster? Diving into the deliciousness of the whole human experience of my own, the, the parts of myself that I have not really spent a lot of time with, the full range of all the feelings I have, and exploring grief, sadness, joy, anger, lust, all of it, and just sitting with it, not doing anything with it. Mm. Beautiful. Mark Groves, thank you for your time, for your friendship, and for being such a rad human on planet Earth. I am so glad that I was born at a time to witness you being you. It's really, really cool. Oh my God, right back at you. I was telling you that the first time I met you, I said to Matt, your sister's really attractive. And he <laughs> said, and he basically was like, don't even bother. <laughs> That's when I opened Matt for Corker. Matt Corker. That's how I feel about it. I opened for Matt Corker. Um, I'm so lucky. Honor. I love both yeah. of you so much. And the work you do is just absolutely brilliant. So thank you. More. Have a beautiful day. Live cabin corn and we'll talk to you.